Their paths crossed like two hot wires. We are just about the friendliest folks you would ever want to meet. That's Bonnie. Oh, how do you do? I'm Dame Marjorie Chardin, but you may call me more. Everyone has the right to make an ass out of themselves. You can't let the world judge you too much. That woman, she took my car. Hi, you're listening to Bonnie and Mon. I'm Ksenia Yarosh. I'm Eleanor Kagan. And we're here with our special guest, Elliot Kalin. Thank you for having me. Best known from the Flophouse. Frequent contributor <laughs> to Ksenia's zine, I Love Bad Movies. Yes. So we have a lot to talk about today. Um, we watched The Birds. We watched the new movie from HBO, The Girl, uh, which tackles Alfred Hitchcock's relationship with the star of The Birds, Tippi Hedren, mm-hmm. and their relationship, which was tumultuous, to say the least. Abusive is another way you could put it. Abusive is a is a correct way to say it. Um, but there's a lot to talk about, so we're going to unpack it bit by bit, starting with The Birds. This was my second time watching The Birds. It, it was beautiful, and may, I think it's my favorite Hitchcock movie now that I think about it. It was my second time seeing it as well. Um, the first time I saw it, it was actually the first Hitchcock movie I ever saw, and it kind of blew my mind. Um, I expected it to be a lot scarier than it actually was. Really? I thought it was so much scarier than I had ever anticipated. I mean, I think I've been, you know, scarred by, you know, 21st century horror movies and the sorts of gore and, you know, pop-out scares that happen in those that when I watched The Birds, I was like, this is tame in comparison. But then when you really think about it, it's so much creepier. It's so sinister. There's so much potential for maybe more violence than we actually see, but I I found it very frightening. Uh, I have to say, this was at least the third or fourth time that I've seen it. Uh, and But I hadn't seen it in a long time. And I always used to find it not very scary, like creepy but not scary. And this time, the last time I watched it was probably in college about eight or nine years ago, ten years ago. And Seeing it now, I found it much scarier than I had ever seen, ever felt before about it. And it was this weird experience of usually when something is frightening as a child or when you're younger, it gets less scary when you get older when you rewatch the movie. And this time the movie was much scarier to me as an adult than it had been when I was a child. Because I remember se- watching it, you know, when I was like 11 or 12. My mother put me on like a Hitchcock regimen for a little bit. And wow. that's where I saw most of his movies for the first time. Uh, and... This was one where afterwards it was like, yeah, that was creepy, the birds and stuff. But seeing it this time, it it was so the it's so off putting as it starts, and then it kind of snowballs as it goes until it becomes very frightening to me at the end. Off putting, like starting where from her arrival on the island, right in the beginning, from them in the pet store at the beginning. Like what they're doing is they're doing a screwball comedy scene, mm-hmm. like a meet cute where. He's like, don't you work at this bird store? And she's like, yeah, sure, I do. I said, I wonder if you could help me. Yes, what is it you're looking for, sir? Lovebirds. Lovebirds, sir? Yes, I understand there are different varieties. Is that true? Oh, yes, there are. Well, uh, these are for my sister for her birthday, you see, and uh, as she's only going to be 11, I, I wouldn't want a pair of birds that were too demonstrative. I understand completely. At the same time, I wouldn't want them to be too aloof either. No, of course not. I love how she puts the pencil in her hair and is like, <laughs> yeah, sure, how can I help you? And the lying begins, and it it's one of the best flirtation scenes that I've seen in a while. But the thing is, they play it much slower than a comedy would play it, and as a result, it becomes very sinister and also 
the lying becomes that much clearer. Like it's not playful lying. Like mm -hmm. they're both trying to catch each other out in a much more serious way yeah, than testing her. And it's like, what are the consequences of him finding out that she's lying? Yeah, exactly. And so it's it feels more real in that like if two people started lying to each other right off the bat, like that's not flirting. You know, it's mm -hmm. it's a bizarre sort of game. But if they played it much faster, it would be like this is delightful. Mm -hmm. But instead, they he he kind of stretches it out and it becomes scarier. I think also one of the scariest things about this movie is that there's no reason that the birds are attacking. And the first time I saw it, I felt like there were so many clues and like red herrings about, you know, sort of leading up to why are the birds attacking everybody? Is it Melanie's fault? Um, is it Mitch's fault? Like what is the real cause for all of this havoc and all of this mayhem? Um, is it the fact that she brought the two lovebirds to the island? Is it the fact that, you know, she's following this guy that she barely knows? But the more I watch the movie, it seems like there really is no reason. Everything is just sort of a misdirection. Um, mm -hmm. And that, you know, we've gotten so used to there having to be some sort of explanation in any sort of disaster movie, like um, like in The Happening or in The Fog or whatever. Was there an explanation in The Happening? The explanation of The Happening it. is that the plants are getting revenge on people for mistreating them. Exactly. And it always ends up being so silly. So what I love about the birds is, like, they're just attacking. Yeah, there's no... It's, it's the thing that would make a lot of those types of movies better. Like The Incredible Shrinking Man, for instance is to get off topic for a little bit he goes through a cloud of radioactive dust and starts shrinking and i think it would be a much scarier movie if he just wakes up one day mm -hmm. and he's begun shrinking and there's no explanation for it well like metamorphosis right yeah exactly it would be it would be much more like metamorphosis that way where it's not like he was bitten by a bug and now he's turning into a bug like he just turns into a cockroach for no reason mm -hmm. you, it's interesting because you can read the birds either as it's totally out of the blue that they start attacking or, like, really the only hints you are given are that it's somehow connected with uh, Melanie Tippi Hedren coming into this world and disrupting it. Mm -hmm. And that she, through her own, you know, feminine power or something like that, has basically destroyed reality. Which doesn't make—it doesn't fit with our idea of what a movie would be about, really. But those are the only clues you're given. It makes—it actually—it's one the rare movie where it makes more sense for there to be no explanation whatsoever. So let's talk about Tippi Hedren a little bit. This was actually her first film role, um, and Alfred Hitchcock had found her. He had discovered her. She'd been a model. She'd done a couple. She had done commercials in New York, and either he or his wife saw one on the television and were like, she's got the look you're looking for. <laughs> because he, is, he wanted desperately to find a newcomer that he could mold into his ideal of what a movie star is. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that's a theme that we've actually seen repeatedly in his films about finding this object of desire and molding her to your ideal and mm -hmm. effectively changing her forever. Um, but to take it back a bit, um, before we get to the... Before we get the, to the, the subtext. Yeah, so we brought Tippi Hedren in. Um, she was next in a line of, long line of Hitchcock blondes, which he famously likes to torture mm -hmm. on screen. Grace Kelly, Kim Novak in Vertigo, and Janet, uh, Lee, Janet Lee in Psycho. She feels like a really contemporary actress. And I don't know if it has to do with the way she speaks. There's a little less, um, like, what's the word? Kind of that sort of forced 50s, 60s over-enunciation. Mm -hmm. um, 
and just the way she expresses herself like her face is a little more calm and playful I like that she kind of has this permanent smirk on her face throughout the entirety of the birds and I think it has something to do with just like her you know the way she cocks her eyebrows and Mm -hmm. sort of her like grin she's always very calculating and I find that very you know I found her very alluring on screen in a way that you know maybe I was looking for it more watching the birds the second time but um I mean she's of course so memorable even the first time that we all saw Mm -hmm. it Mm -hmm. she's she's playing like this this uh very kind of cynical character who comes from money does whatever she wants and life is a game to her and she pulls that off in such an attractive way as instead of making her seem like oh this rich bitch like let's take her down a notch like she comes off as someone who is very yeah is very alluring and uh it's too and then the movie of course tears her the 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 purpose of the movie seems to be to tear her apart for being that person but first you have to like her as that person before you can mm -hmm. see her destroyed like we see her as a trickster and to see a female character yeah you you know the coyote of native american legend (laughs) (laughs) playing a prank is so fascinating to me and and the fact that she's beautiful i guess is an interesting combination that you know she plays tricks, but she can get away with it because she's beautiful. Well, it's like she she shows up. She wants to leave these birds at Rod Taylor's doorstep and leaves them. And this guy who she shares an elevator with, it says like, oh, uh, that won't work out if you do that. Uh, and he like wants to help her and he's been eyeing her in the elevator. Yeah. And it's clear that like he wants to help her because she's pretty and she's used to getting by mm-hmm. on her looks, but in a way that isn't so much like harmful to people or her but just like plays tricks on people and rod taylor is the this is again another very screwball comedy thing where like she's the rich prankster and the man is the like you ladies need to need to learn how to take life seriously like the mad miss manton has basically the same dynamic between barbara stanwyck and henry fonda but like goofier you know but anyway, that's getting off topic again. But uh, she she's will she'll go to any lengths for these pranks. Eventually, to yeah, going taking a boat to an island and and uh, breaking into a house. Because if pulled off, it would be so perfect. I mean, at the pet store, Rod Taylor tells her. Back in your gilded cage, Melanie Daniels. What did you say? I was merely drawing a parallel, Miss Daniels. Which is you know, both true of Tippi Hedren herself and true of Melanie Daniels. And then she does end up essentially in a cage, mm-hmm. just like the lovebirds that she leaves at his house. Mm-hmm. You mean a phone booth. Also a phone booth and an attic. Yeah. yeah. she A lot of confined spaces. She's also so much more interesting than Rod Taylor is. And there's a real imbalance between the male and female leads and that Tippi Hedren is, has a lot of personal charisma and Rod Taylor has a little bit, but mostly he's just like, late 50s early 60s handsome where his face is kind of lumpy and red yeah, you know I, I don't he has a ruddy compl- ruddy english complexion i don't find him appealing at all but i and so like my interest then shifts in the movie and i almost see the love story being between her and annie who is um i guess rod's sort of ex and played by suzanne Plachette. did you drive up from san francisco by the coast road yes nice drive it's very beautiful is that where you met mitch Yes. I guess that's where everyone meets Mitch. Now, you sound a bit mysterious, Miss Hayworth. (laughs) Do I? I don't mean to. Actually, I'm an open book, I'm afraid. Or rather, a closed one. Oh, pretty. What are they? 
Lovebirds. I find their flirtation and their conversations so much more captivating and interesting than and she is she dresses in a very casual way we see her at one point she's got dirt in her face from from working in a garden like wearing a sweatshirt she's wearing a sweatshirt like and pants and she's coded as a possible lesbian figure like there's a mannishness about her that's not Mm -hmm. anti-feminine but that makes her look and feel a little stronger than tippy hedron she drinks gin or something manly but it's and it's almost like if this movie had been made at a different time in a different place, like this could have turned into a love story between these two women. And instead, it's 1962, 63, and in America. So it's like, well, we need Rod Taylor. Like, bring in the man character. <laughs> bring in a man. <laughs> Any man, really. But the but the rest of the movie is uh, Rod Taylor's really the only male character. Like, there's a lot of male side characters. Like, they just guy- get their eyes plucked out. Yeah, or like they help Tippy Hedren like do stuff like uh, like a Doodles Weaver who like is helps her with a boat. Name? Yeah, well his he was he had a childhood nickname which was Doodles, and so and he's Sigourney Weaver's uncle actually I believe. But uh, he helps out he helps her with a boat at one point, and a guy at a at a general store helps her you know arrange for renting the boat. But otherwise, the main characters are all women. It's Tippy Hedren, and there's Rod Taylor's mother, sister, and ex, mm-hmm. and it's kind of like this coven of women. It's very eight and a half who all kind of like shepherd Rod Taylor's character. And until the birds attack, it's almost like they take care of him and he's kind of helpless. And then once the birds attack, things turn around and he has. And this was what was scary about the movie for me, not to get off topic, but is that when I was younger, I identified with Tippi Hedren more as like she's the playful character, you know, living life loose and free. But as as a, a married man who would like to start a family at some point, Rod Taylor's character who basically the burden of protecting these women falls on him once the birds attack. That was very frightening to me, the idea of that kind of responsibility against a force of nature that you cannot control or really defend. You can only defend a little bit against. You can never solve the problem. And that was something that was so much more frightening to me than just the idea of, like, a bird might bite me. Oh, no. That scene where at the end where he does come out of the house and he opens up the garage door and there's birds everywhere. All over the place. Um, it's so scary and he has to open up the car. He has to go get each woman and kind of place her in the car because they're too scared or in the case of Melanie, she's in shock because she's just been attacked. I mean, he alone has to be the brave face even though he's also terrified. And it should feel like a an assertion of like traditional gender roles, but he's so shocked that it doesn't. Mm-hmm. It's, it, it's more like he's coming into his own finally as a person. Um... And the other thing I wanted that I want to make sure to mention was uh, not about this, but was about the woman who plays his mother, Jessica Tandy, is this very rare figure in the movie, which is like a sexually attractive older woman who is not hiding her age, but at the same time is not is still beautiful, you know. And it's this very nuanced view of kind of female existence, mm-hmm. which is bizarre since it comes from Alfred Hitchcock, who basically designed the movie to torture tippy hedron you know mm-hmm. um so we also watched the girls all right that's not what we watched. we watched lena dunham's girls <laughs> that was for the first Where episode lena dunham attacks <laughs> yeah, a, 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 her, a flock of lena dunham's descends on bodega bay <laughs> and people are like why are the lena dunham's attacking this makes no sense Let's try that again <laughs> Um, so we also watched The Girl, which is the new HBO movie about Alfred Hitchcock and uh, the making of The Birds with Tippi Hedren. It stars uh, Toby Jones. Toby Jones. As Alfred Hitchcock. 
I actually thought he did a fine Hitchcock in a lot of ways. He was also incredibly creepy. Um, He played up the creep a little more than he probably should have. Right, which is what the role called for because, you know, it's all about his relationship with Tippi Hedren and how he brought her in and then basically abused her. He made her sign this seven-year contract so she couldn't work with any other directors. Well, the seven-year contract was pretty standard at the time. Right. That's and but uh, it was it was starting to fall apart by then. But seven years was the standard length of a contract. But and it was not even that rare for a star to sign up with an individual director or a producer. But he then usually part of that contract would be loaning you out to appear in other people's movies, and he refused to do that. He he like made two movies with her, and then was like, "Well, you're still under contract, so you're not going to work for a couple, for you know four or five years." Right. I mean, and he came onto her sexually many times yeah that um, was the worst part which she always rebuffed and you know according to tippy hedron and then you know serialized in this movie he said okay if you won't have sex with me if you don't have this relationship with me i'll ruin your career and you can't work with anyone else mm-hmm. um not to mention the abuse that she had to go through during the filming of the birds um most famously that scene up in the attic where um the birds are attacking her. He had told her that it would be a one-day shoot with mechanical birds, and it ended up being a five-day shoot with real birds. And I thought that was actually one of the more affecting scenes in The Girl is watching Sienna Miller, who plays Tippi Hedren, get pelted by these birds, and just it's horrible to watch. Yeah, she's obviously it's like torture, and everybody else on set is like, uh, do we have to keep doing this? And Hitchcock's like, yes. And uh, it really he doesn't even say anything. Or he just He's sits just there, looking on. And it brings home because to hear like, yeah, they spent five days throwing birds at her. Like, it sounds bad, but to but see to actually, it yeah. is pretty awful. I mean, it's it's almost scarier in the actual film of the birds because there's no score. Like the entire movie has no music. It's just the bird squawking and flapping sound effects, which I found very creepy. Um, the girl was heavy-handed on score, especially during scenes that were as intense as this one. Yeah, they were. There was at least they didn't use the uh, the like '80s uh, yeah. sex saxophone, which uh, which appeared at numerous parts throughout the movie. But yeah, the the score is a little heavy-handed, and the acting There's was some weird slightly hidden. a couple times, just faces floating. Well, it's got a case of uh, TV movieitis mm-hmm. where they're like. Even even with the money of HBO and this kind of gloss, like there are parts that are going to look low budget, so we're going to art it up at some times, and we're going to like sleaze it up at other times, and so it was a very like a movie that did some weird things. So, did you guys think this film worked? Is it exploitative or is it revealing of this relationship that needed to come to light? Uh, uh I I do like Elliot was saying. I do think that the scene where she's like birds are just being thrown at her is i i thought that was really good because it i mean it basically framed it as a sort of rape by hitchcock and it um made us realize quite how serious his abuse of her was that it wasn't just you know he wanted something from her and then she refused it like i actually found the scene where he comes out and says you're, you you work for me. From now on, you have to be available sexually whenever I want you to. You have to do whatever I say whenever I say you are you know you belong to me. I thought that scene didn't work as well as it should have because they made her almost a little too strong. She says like, "No, Hitch, no," and he's like, "Oh, we could have. Been. Oh, is that what this was all about all this time, Hitch? Really?" Because he's told her earlier that he loves her, and 
it's it was almost like she knew that's what it was about and also like by being so strong it kind of made it seem like what hitchcock was asking wasn't as horrifying as it was Mm -hmm. like that's really the most shocking thing you can say to a person that works for you is you are now a sex slave to me and you have to do what i say all the time and that's your job and like it's a real like that's the most shocking thing he could have said to her in a way it's more shocking than when he tries to kiss her earlier on because that's a moment of for him passion and this is just so cold-blooded and then she takes it so well necessarily yeah. in, a, in a way that it it like diffuses what is like a really shocking situation and it makes it this is the basically the climax of the movie and should be like a moment of ultimate peril for her or ultimate mm-hmm. trouble but instead it becomes the scene where she like breaks free you know begins to break free from his clutches and it maybe if they had played it as in like he becomes even more pathetic in her eyes but they didn't quite get that across i don't know it was like that scene didn't work as well as it should have you know yeah i mean in a way the 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 girl wasn't as gritty as this story actually is i mean in in reality it's a story about abuse and it's a story about a like a trapped relationship um that she can't get out of and you know he is just exerting so much power over her and the girl ends up being a little too glitzy and a little too smoothed over and i don't think that the real gravity of how traumatizing that kind of relationship actually is really came through from watching that that seems more like you know, the girl is like a movie that you'll watch over dinner and be like, oh, that's an interesting story. <laughs> yeah. Rather than like, this could have ruined her life. Yeah. And she has famously said in interviews that he ruined her career, but he didn't ruin her life. Yeah. And it's, but and on top of that, it's the thing that makes it most troubling for me in some ways is that Hitchcock is such a great filmmaker and undeniably an artist working through suspense thrillers to put his own soul on film uh, in a and. If this was like a sleazy movie, you could handle a little more like, oh, the sleazy guy who makes sleazy movies propositioned this woman and treated her like an object. But for maybe the preeminent film artist to do this in the while making art, like The Birds is a work of art, Marnie, the other movie they made together, I don't think is so good, but it is very much a personal work of art for Hitchcock, like makes it that much harder to you're, you can't. It's harder to separate the artist from his personal life, and that makes the work itself more troubling. And that's such a. That's where the real tension for like a movie fan is. Like as a Hitchcock fan, I've spent years now like trying to come to terms with how what a you know in some ways gross person he was, and how bad he was to other people when the results are so enjoyable. It was made through exploitation, and you have to come to terms with that as a viewer. I mean, even without knowing this backstory, he's the master of putting his leading ladies through complete hell. Yeah. You take something like Psycho and um, Marion Crane, she has stolen this great sum of money and she is then punished for it. Um, Vertigo is more complex, but also tragic based on... uh, And still about men taking women and molding them into what they want them to be and not letting them be people. Yeah, possessing them. And like his... As his movies went on, he that becomes more uh, overt in the films, but even his relationship with Grace Kelly, where he was trying to mold her, but he wasn't as rough on her, or with Ingrid Bergman uh, in those movies where she often has to go through some sort of tough trial, and behind the scenes, apparently, like he made overtures to her 
but she waved them away and he didn't press them too hard. Uh, the Or as hard as he did with Tippi Hedren. Um, like, he is a man of exploiting women throughout his career, but, like, the movies are so good that you want to be like, yeah, well, I can enjoy the work without without endorsing the artist, but that's hard to do. Well, like, how does Melanie's character compare with the other female characters that he's had throughout his movies? She, in terms of, what, personality or what she goes through? Because aside from Marion Crane, who gets stabbed to death, nobody faces anything worse than... Mm-hmm. than uh, Melanie does. She's she's attacked repeatedly by birds, mm-hmm. and by the end of the movie, she's catatonic. Like, she's been tr- stripped down to almost a, non, a non-being. non Like, she's so traumatized. He could have... I blame Hitchcock, obviously, but, like, he could have very easily made this a father-daughter type relationship where he is sees it as his role to teach them how to become stars and mold them in that way, and then be proud of them but instead it was a sexual thing for him which is and which was you know worse the creepier part of it is it, it was sort of a combination because he did help them and he wanted them to succeed sort of and groom them but at the same time yeah he he wanted sexual favors in return and the, and it's very much like he was a man who was at the height of his abilities and the height of his fame like the height of his power and the height of his power yeah he has a he's a hit, string of hit films he's starting to get real critical acclaim in france he's no longer just you know the popcorn movie guy he has a hit television show like he's more famous than most of the people in his movies at this point and he definitely felt he could finally use that power in a way that it was should not have been used did you get the impression from the girl that he felt led on by them, um, or I guess specifically Tippy in this case. There, there were times when he was talking to her as if continuing a conversation, like he thought of her as being interested in him, and he was just, you know, telling her how much he loved her back. And it's possible. I mean, it's you see so many actors who start relationships on movie sets because. They're playing those emotions, and it's hard to separate real and fake. And I wouldn't be surprised if he would get confused emotionally and see them playing out these love scenes as he commanded and then them turning cold, not cold to him suddenly, but not acting anymore, Mm -hmm. and him feeling like, what happened? You made it seem like we had this thing, you know, but now now suddenly we don't have it anymore. Yeah, there's a lot of insinuation in the movie that any other man on set that Tippi Hedren would talk to or share a laugh with uh, Hitchcock was immediately suspicious of and mm-hmm. kind of wanted to keep them separated in case anything happened. Like, she was all for him. Yeah. He was a, kind of a crazy man, basically. Yeah, I think that's a good way to sum it kind up. Kind of a... And it's something that, for a long time, he was considered, like, eccentric, and it's relatively recently that this stuff has come out, and it's like, oh, this was a psycho- psychologically damaged person, you know, uh, and not just a like a prankster who was cruel sometimes, uh, but like really a, a person who was dealing with serious uh, psychological issues and took them out on other human beings. Mm-hmm. I want to get back to that question of whether after watching The Birds, knowing what we know about Hitchcock and Hedren's relationship, and after watching The Girl, does it change the way that you view Hitchcock's movies? Does it change your enjoyment of them? I know we touched on this a little bit earlier. When I just watch The Birds, I, I think of him as a genius and I almost like I I would think he has a sort of feminist streak to him just because the conversations between the women are so interesting and like they the female characters have so much depth but then watching this background I'm like 
okay, maybe not. Um, it makes me it makes me uneasy about liking the movies as much as I do, but it doesn't change my enjoyment yes, of the movies. I still like the movie a lot, but I I think of him as less responsible for it or yeah, like we were saying before, may, maybe like some of it is just an accident and it's good acting on their part. Mhm. Things that got in went that he didn't intend mm-hmm. originally. Or his co-writer, like mm-hmm. did he write those conversations that I enjoyed so much? Do you guys wish that Tippy's career had blossomed and she'd been in more things? She's 82 now. She's still around, obviously. She's finally gotten it together, whatever emotional baggage she's had to put this story out into the open and, mm-hmm. like, draw a lot of attention to, you know, revealing the truth. Do you guys wish that she had had more of a career? It's it's possible she could have either not developed into a more interesting actress or developed, and that's her The potential was snuffed out. You know, which is mm-hmm. one of the sadder things about it. It is. I mean, although her life definitely took an interesting turn. Um, you know, when she started working for Hitchcock, she was a single mom. Her daughter, Melanie Griffith, mm-hmm. um, she ended up marrying her agent. And they wanted to make a movie together starring Lions. Um, and it later became the movie Roar. Um, but the original working title was apparently Lions, Lions, and More Lions. <laughs> <laughs> That's such a better title. Without laughing. Um, But they ended up, um, they tried to get all these actor big cats and were told no because it'll be a complete disaster. So they decided to grow their own pride of lions. I think she already had her own cat. Had she already started the Shambhala Preserve? That's what it became. It sounds like she, she acting was something that she was brought into. It sounds, I don't mean, maybe she always wanted to be an actress, but she found her place more working with these big cats yeah and then she did in film that this was and it's not necessarily a failure when someone's a movie star and stops making movies sometimes they find something that they care about more than that right i mean and she now she has shambhala preserve like you mentioned which is where all these big cats live mm-hmm. but it's for people who <laughs> it's for the animals of people <laughs> Who what tried to keep them as pets and yeah. realized it was they couldn't do it that it yeah, was they it's incredibly because dangerous. they're lions <laughs> yeah because they were not meant to be pets people are like Correct. you can have a pet dog why not a lion it's like well dogs and people have been co-evolving for thousands of years <laughs> there are actually this series of fascinating photographs that life did of Tippi Hedren and her family with their first pet lion who was named Neil. Um, is this at their the first live-in lion? This is the first live-in lion. Did you read that interview? <laughs> yeah, in the New York Times with Andrew Goldman that created kind of a another oh, drama. It created a Twitter scandal, yeah. It did. Yeah. I know. I mean, there's that's kind of what's been fascinating to me about this whole story is there's just so many crazy things and so much drama that keeps happening. She does seem a little bit... What is the word? Uh, a tiny bit batty. <laughs> I mean, she is a woman in her early 80s. Like What? What, Tippi Hendren? Tippi Hendren, you mean? That is not why I think she's no, I mean, like, a people, loopy person. Well, I would say, well, then I change to say a person in her early 80s. Like, people get crazier when they get All older. Right. Like, not I can see it. Not because she's an old woman. No, not because she's an old woman. I mean, I can. you can see it in 
old people. To be fair, though, I don't think she's the one that's necessarily been causing all the drama. I mean, it is certainly out of the ordinary that this isn't her like, life's work became keeping big cats on a preserve. But it's still, but it's not like she's like a crazy cat lady, you know, or anything like that. Like she runs a nature no, preserve, no. You right? Know? Right, and she provides a you know animal rights service. Um, but in this interview, um, Andrew Goldman he does ask her about their relationship with Hitchcock and if she ever considered giving in and sleeping with him, and that in turn caused people on Twitter to accuse him of asking misogynist questions and he responded in a pretty terrible way and has now been suspended from the times temporarily. I I don't think it's necessarily a bad question. I I think his... His response to the response was bad. Exactly. Yeah, I agree. You know, cheers to Tippy for coming out with this story. I mean, he's been dead for over 20 years, but it had to come out sometime. Mm-hmm. Rather than keep the secret with her to the grave, she's she's revealed it. She's only told it to the lions. <laughs> all these years, all she could do because it was whisper in the lions' ears her secrets. That's such a that's such a that's such a romantic image. This 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 woman whispering her painful secrets so to the lions. <laughs> they keep them in their manes. <laughs> Um, I read this article in the all that uh, had the observation that it's interesting that, you know, she's chosen to spend the rest of her life surrounded, literally surrounded by big cats when the first traumatic film experience she had was being surrounded and pelted by birds. That makes sense. Cats eat birds. I mean, what what better protection when birds are going to come by than a bunch of cats? <laughs> exactly. It's like if the, it would make the sense if the movie had been called The Mice instead of The Birds. <laughs> like she gets big cats to surround her. I if the movie had been called The Cats, called she'd get big dogs. <laughs> um, what books would you recommend um, someone reads if they're sort of new to Hitchcock or want to know more about Hitchcock and or Tippy? There's a couple of really great books about Hitchcock. The definitive biography probably is The Dark Side of Genius by Donald Spado. And that's the book that he later added to with a more recent book called Spellbound by Beauty where a lot of this stuff about Hitchcock's relationship with Tippi Hedren came out. If you're interested in learning more about Hitchcock, those are the books to start with. There's also Truffaut Hitchcock, Hitchcock's Films Revisited, and The Art of Alfred Hitchcock. Thank you, Elliot, for coming on Bonnie and Maud. Thank you very much for having me. I'm a, bi- I'm a big fan of the cast. I was very excited to be part of the show. Uh, well, we're happy to have you on. We're big fans of the Flophouse podcast, which is um, the bad movie podcast that Elliot hosts along uh with Dan McCoy and Stuart Wellington. This has been Bonnie and Maud. Um, I'm Eleanor Kagan. And I'm Xenia Yaroche. Visit us at bonnieandmaud.com. Find us on iTunes, Facebook, Twitter, and Tumblr. And please feel free to leave us a review if you enjoy the show. Thanks. And subscribe.